Talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. KoreaFM.net. With the recent wave of global financial groups leaving or downsizing their presence here in South Korea, some analysts say the government's ongoing efforts to establish Seoul as one of Asia's three financial hubs aren't on the right track. While the Korea Times recently printed that some multinational financial firms say Korea is no longer an attractive market and that the Pak and hate government has lost the financial momentum of the previous administration, I spoke with one expert who says while the government does need to do more, those and other comments may be missing the larger picture. My name is Kyle Ferrier. I am the Director of Academic Affairs and Research at the Korea Economic Institute of America. We're a think tank located in Washington, D.C., dedicated to working on issues related to the South Korea and U.S. alliance. The recent trend you're witnessing in Korea is part of a larger trend for some global financial firms to downsize in Asia. Barclays is closing down a number of its businesses across the region, exiting Korea this year, but it is also exiting Taiwan. RBS did close some of their business groups in Korea over the past few years, but it is also downsized in Singapore, which is, as you know, the second largest financial center in, in Asia. Uh, the void left by these movements out of Korea is being exploited by other foreign banks continuing operations in Korea. So it's not a matter of these major banks leaving. They're leaving based on their own global financial strategies and the search for profit in a, in a global environment where growth is sluggish and they're moving to where they feel they can receive the most uh, profit. But as, even though these banks are leaving and their implications for leaving isn't as serious as one would think, uh, there are still a significant number of challenges that must be addressed to deepen financial markets in Korea. Looking at Singapore, Hong Kong, and Seoul, you notice a big disparity between the three of them, and I think it's a fairly lofty goal for Korea to establish itself as a stronger financial center, but at the same time, Korea has made major strides since 2008. Seoul has... Uh, grown significantly uh, as a major financial trading center. Uh, as of September of last year, Seoul was sixth on the Global Financial Center's index, edged out only slightly by Tokyo at number five. Despite the rise in financial transactions since 2008, Korea lags behind in financial innovation and attractiveness for foreign-owned financial institutions. The World Economic Forum's Global Competitive Index ranks Korea at 87th in financial market development, and in financial market efficiency, uh, Korea is 92nd. And in that latter category in financial market efficiency, Hong Kong and Singapore are second and third, respectively. So Korea has a lot more room to grow. And I think two main areas need to be addressed domestically for the government to engender a change to a, a level where you could have can compete with a Singapore or a Hong Kong. And uh, the first area, I think, is, is financial innovation. So South Korea recently ranked at the top of Bloomberg's Innovation Index, but Korea wouldn't rank so high if there was an index for financial innovation. And financially innovative instruments such as derivatives provide higher profits and spread risk. And as banks are increasingly trying to find profits in a harder environment, they're increasingly interested in, in, in innovative financial instruments. But these are not as, as deep in Korea as they are in Hong Kong or Singapore. So Barclays is still maintaining its equity derivatives groups in Asia, but its decision to completely exit the Korean market is indicative of the need to, for this market to grow within Korea. And the second issue 
uh, is the structure of the financial market in Korea. The Korean market is currently dominated by 12 financial holding companies that constitute about 50% of the financial sector assets and about 70% of the banking sector assets. In contrast, there are about 41 foreign-owned financial institutions, which only make about 11% of financial sector assets and 14% of banking sector assets. So if the government wants to attract more foreign banks, it has to make the financial and banking sectors more competitive. Uh, but let me just add that having strong local bank presence is not necessarily incongruent with being connected to global financial markets. But the way in which these banks earn much of their profits through local lending rather than through diversification of instruments is holding back growth potential for the, for the domestic economy and has contributed to household uh, debt problem in Korea. And despite new programs coming online, Korea Economic Institute of America Academic Affairs and Research Director Kyle Ferrier says many hurdles to making Seoul a global financial hub still aren't being addressed. The main institution pushing the financial reforms is the Financial Services Commission, which was established in 2008. And one of its main pillars is advancing the financial industry in Korea and most prominently that in Seoul. Uh, recently, they announced a plan to make it easier for foreign investors to trade local stocks in an effort to be recognized as a developed country under the Morgan Stanley Capital International Index. Um, and I think they're, they're making uh, a number of strides forward, uh, but it's, the, the strides that they're making aren't to necessarily address underlying structural issues in the Korean economy between the international, multinational financial institutions and domestic banks within the Korean economy. Another business and finance-related area where Seoul has made more progress is in startups. Recently, Forbes published an article titled How South Korea's $3 billion Bet to Become a Regional Tech Startup is Paying Off. And I spoke with the author of the piece, entrepreneurial ecosystems writer Amy Gutman, to find out more about the mixture of public and private initiatives that have put Seoul in the spotlight. Everybody has figured out that um, being the next startup hub is really where it's at. Now, whether that's true or not, is another matter. But you know, lots of governments are trying to attract uh, direct foreign investment this way. And so one of the accelerators that I highlighted, Accelerate Korea, they have a really interesting proposition because they are public and private, which means they work with the government, they get part of their funding from the government, and part of it is funded privately. Um, but they have basically people from the private sector running it international people, people who are experts in startups and how to grow businesses. And that's really crucial and quite savvy on the part of the government because so often governments want to be a part of this and they think they can do it. But actually, generally, it's not governments that are going to be successful in growing startups. It's people from the private sector who have a proven track record of success who are able to do it. And, and I really do think that often the best way to, um, to do this is, is through a partnership. In addition to making it possible for traditional startups to find a home in Seoul, Gutman says the government is working to change the culture of ideas in South Korea to foster more innovation and risk-taking. Incredible work is being done in South Korea's research institutes, and yet often the point is made that 
the results of this research and some of the successes um, in these labs never sees the light of day for, for various reasons. Um, not only is that a great shame, but uh, I think as the government has finally realized, there's real commercial value um, and there are really, you know, presumably great contributions that could be made to the world even uh, through some of the um, things that are being discovered in these labs. So I think the government's initiative to provide a sort of safety net for these researchers and scientists and engineers so that they, to encourage them essentially, you know, so that they can go out, try to launch a startup of their own with the knowledge that if it all fails, they can have their research institute job back. Hopefully they won't need to. Um, but I think that's really a great way of encouraging entrepreneurship within a country, uh, especially in an area where, again, you know, med tech, um, wearable light therapies, all of these things that are being discussed and that have real potential, again, to change the world, to be real game changers in these sectors. Um, that's a great step forward, not only for um, South Koreans domestically, but on the global stage. And finally, unlike South Korea's stalled progress towards becoming a world financial hub, Forbes writer Amy Gutman says it's hard to ignore the attention being given to Seoul's startup community. So Google just opened one of its campuses in Seoul last year. That's a big deal. Uh, obviously, they have a wide um, selection of places where they can open up a campus, and they generally don't just choose anywhere. They, they're generally pretty strategic and pretty targeted. Uh, so it appears that Google has identified Seoul as a good regional hub, um, and also 500 Startups, which is a very well-known name in Silicon Valley and is also known for investing in emerging um, and, and, and more maturing um, markets. For example, they have an office in London, um, but they have a specific interest in emerging markets. So they now have a presence in Seoul. Um, all of these things indicate that Seoul is being viewed as, as a regional hub. Um, you know, whether that actually um, comes to be the case, whether that actually comes to fruition is another matter, but this kind of investment shouldn't be taken lightly. For KoreaFM.net, I'm Chance Dorland.